When a patient is picking up any opioid medication, it's important that community pharmacists at least offer the naloxone to the patient, as well as explaining the importance of it. So in that sense, I like to use the fire extinguisher analogy. So <laughs> I'm sure we've probably all heard this one, but if somebody has a fire extinguisher in their house, it's there in case of emergency, although you never know when you may need it. So. Just trying to really relate to our patients and use analogies is also a really helpful tool there. Welcome to the Pharmacy Quality Solutions Quality Corner Show, where quality measurement leads to better patient outcomes. This show will be your go-to source for all things related to quality improvement and medication use in healthcare. We will hit on trending health topics as they relate to performance measurements and find common ground for payers and practitioners. We will discuss how the Equip platform can help you with your performance goals. And we will also make sure to keep you up to date on pharmacy quality news. Please note that the topics discussed are based on the information available at the date and time of recording. Information or guidelines are updated periodically, and we will always recommend that our listeners research and review any guidelines that are newly published. Buckle up and put your thinking cap on. The Quality Corner Show starts now. Hello, Quality Corner Show listeners. Welcome to the PQS podcast, where we focus on medication use, quality improvement, and how we can utilize pharmacists to improve patient health outcomes. I'm your host, Nick Dorich, and on the episode today, our focus will turn to opioid use disorder. This will actually be the focus for the next couple of episodes, and there are some fantastic guests we have lined up to discuss how pharmacists and providers can help patients. To start off, Let's begin with the provider or pharmacist education about opioid use disorder and how providers can communicate, educate, and treat patients. Today's guest is Elizabeth Salisbury, and she is PGY1 community-based pharmacy resident at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Liz, welcome to the Quality Corner Show. Thank you so much for inviting me on today. Liz, before we get into the content of today's episode, let's start with hearing about you. What's your career path? What do you do in pharmacy and what are your interests in healthcare? Absolutely, Nick. Thank you. Um, so as you already mentioned, my current role is as a community-based pharmacy resident. And right now I'm at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, the Eshelman School of Pharmacy, as well as uh, Campus Health. So this includes a lot of patient-centered dispensing in addition to um, directly working with patients here at Campus Health and a lot of direct patient care there. Um, I've also had amazing opportunities this year to work alongside members of the interprofessional team at Campus Health, which involves conducting medication management appointments and pretty much everything between that and then also providing education for our um, healthcare providers through formal CME presentations or continuing medical education seminars, as well as informally. A lot going on there at Campus Health, but my interest in pharmacy have certainly grown during the residency year. I remain really enthusiastic about community pharmacy and just advocating for services that can be offered through community pharmacy for some of our more vulnerable patient populations. And throughout my short pharmacy career thus far, I have devoted time exploring the expansion of harm reduction as well as advocating for patients with substance use disorders and refining healthcare provider understanding on this topic. So going forward this summer, I'll be relocating to Rhode Island where I'll be um, hopefully continuing to serve as a community pharmacist there. Excellent, Liz. Well, thank you for the rundown. I'm really excited to have you here today. We, we always love to bring in 
folks that are practicing in a community or some form of community pharmacy practice setting, but you're bringing unique experience as well on the some of the provider education pieces and some of the research that you've done, which is what really prompted me uh, to have the conversation with you. We'll, we'll get to talking a little bit later about some of your work on provider education in this space. You had a poster presentation at the APHA meeting back in March of 2022, where which is where I kind of found out you had done a little work on this topic and you and I had some mutual connections. So it was kind of easy to reach out and say, hey, this is a great topic. Um, let's discuss more. So with that, let's go ahead. And we're going to jump into our podcast questions here, but not before we stop and hear the breakdown. Now it's time for the breakdown. As Quality Corner show host, Nick will ask three main topic questions. Our guests will have a chance to respond, and there will be some discussion to summarize the key points. This process will repeat for the second and third questions, which will wrap up the primary content for this recording. After that, expect to end on a closing summary, usually containing a bonus question. Now that we have described the process, let's jump into the questions. Liz. Now, this is the first episode in a series that we have regarding opioid use disorder. Therefore, it's best if we start with defining what is opioid use disorder and how it relates to the larger topic of substance use disorder. Do you mind providing us with that clinical definition and then how pharmacists and providers may see or manage uh, treatment in this space? Yeah, absolutely, Nick. So a substance use disorder can be defined clinically as the continued use of a substance, including alcohol, nicotine, opioids, or other substance, despite any significant substance-related problems that arise from its use. A substance use disorder can present as a cluster of cognitive, behavioral, or physiological symptoms, or a combination of all three. Opioid use disorder is a type of substance use disorder, and it's a problematic pattern of opioid use leading to clinically significant impairment or distress. This diagnosis of opioid use disorder, or OUD, is based on criterion assessing impaired control, social impairment, risky use, and pharmacological criteria. And that's according to the newly updated DSM-5 criteria. So uh, continued use of the substance can lead to uh, changes in the brain structure and function, which ultimately is what can cause our cravings in patients with substance use disorders, as well as um, changes in behavior and ultimately the negative impact on their quality of life. So this is a chronic, often relapsing condition, and um, to decrease stigma and bias on it, we can compare it to any other chronic medical condition as well, such as hypertension, for example. Pharmacists, and especially community pharmacists, are uniquely positioned to encounter patients with substance use disorders, and we are the most accessible healthcare providers as community pharmacists. And we also can positively influence a patient's healthcare experience just from one single encounter in a community pharmacy. Pharmacists can meet the needs of their patients to provide assistance in managing medications for opioid use disorders, which we'll talk a little bit about, as well as offering educational resources and counseling, for example. So we can also play a major role as community pharmacists to expand access to harm reduction supplies, such as naloxone or clean needles and syringes, without bias and advocating for the expansion of these resources in other healthcare settings as well. Excellent, Liz. So we're going to get to some of the 
treatment and management as it, as it goes to opioid use disorder. I think it's important we use those words around it and mm-hmm. um, specifically certain, we know that certain disease states that there may be a uh, cure, right? Or there may be parts that may uh, offset what that disease may be. But as you noted, this is a chronic and often relapsing condition um, that patients may, uh, that are going to deal with, right? And every patient who is going to be treated opioid use disorder, they're going to be actively in recovery. So as you noted, important parts on pharmacists that we can make sure to touch on are addressing, reducing stigma that we have with the patients, um, that we are open to those conversations with patients around harm reduction. And Liz, from your standpoint here and and through some of your work, um, wanted to note, are there any key takeaways that you have around where there are areas that where pharmacists can actively engage in reducing stigma around opioid use disorder or substance abuse? Yeah, absolutely. So pharmacists can play a major role. I think we've already talked a little bit about providing that education. So pharmacists can, um, as medication experts, um, we really can help to not only provide that medication management, but also to incorporate non-stigmatizing language into our own practice. So it's really a simple thing. You're just exchanging one word for another, essentially. So instead of saying, like we've already been saying, um, opioid use disorder instead of an addiction or addict. So using that OUD can really be pretty powerful and words truly do matter. So it's important that we choose them with care as healthcare providers. Absolutely. And and I, anytime I'm having a conversation about topics like this, right, the words, the phrases, those may change. So if you're happen to be listening to this episode in 2022, I hope that at least for myself and Liz, that we're using current terminology, but in a few years, if you come back to me and say, Hey, we we listened to this podcast and a great content, but now we're going to be using this words around appropriate use and treatment. Great. Help me learn those parts. We want to help all pharmacists really learn those parts so we can be more effectively communicating with the patients and, again, reducing stigma. Now, Liz, I will get us moving into our next question, our second question. And this, we're talking about pharmacists. We're talking about pharmacists as the medication expert and as an accessible healthcare provider, right? So let's drill into that topic specifically. Medication management with OUD or SUD what medication or medications, and I assume there are multiple here, you already mentioned a couple in the mm-hmm. lead-in, but what should pharmacists be familiar with? And particularly, how can these be um, accessible? How can these be considered in a community pharmacy practice here and now today? Yeah, absolutely. So I would just like to bring note to they are not now called medication-assisted treatment. So the correct terminology is moods or medications for opioid use disorders, um, which is important to note because as Nick mentioned, it is seems to be forever changing. So that's why it's so important. And we're trying to reiterate today that it's important that we are staying up to date with these things. And also as pharmacists, if we're staying up to date, we can also help other healthcare providers to do so as well um, through educational seminars. So some of the medications uh, or pharmacotherapy for opioid use disorder that we may see most commonly in the community pharmacy setting include buprenorphine, which is our partial opioid agonist, naltrexone, which is an opioid antagonist, and then a combination of therapeutics is also possible with naloxone, which is a competitive inhibitor of our mu opioid receptors. So we can see a couple of different ones, but it's important as we know, just to know at least the basics of these medications as a community pharmacist, and then making sure that they can be readily available for our patients, that it's the correct dose for them, the correct prescribing, 
And just being able to kind of be that middle ground between the provider and the patient if there's any questions at the time of dispensing. So with that being said, I think that the more we know as pharmacists, the better equipped we are to counsel and answer patient questions, um, as well as any questions that may come from patient caregivers and um, being able to support our providers and our healthcare providers in terms of appropriate um, medication management. Excellent. Now, Liz, some of these medications may be used in different facets or at different points in a patient's treatment or a patient's journey as it relates to, to opioid use or substance use, right? Medications like naloxone, that may be something where a patient is, is made privy to that, or they may be aware of that even as they're starting opioid use, whereas some of the medications around around medication management for opioid use disorder, those are going to be really kind of initiated later on into that experience or with that patient journey. So as it relates to some of these medications or having initial conversations with a patient around opioid use disorder, are there particular screening tools or tips that identify when this therapy may be right for a patient? Yeah, absolutely. So this is, again, when I'm going to refer to the DSM-5 criteria. So in that, there's several criterion that they list. And if a patient meets a certain amount of them within a specified time period, it's considered a diagnosis for opioid use disorder. And then going from there, there's different medication regimens that can be explored. So you mentioned the um, naloxone. So Absolutely. When a patient is picking up any opioid medication, it's important that community pharmacists at least offer the naloxone to the patient, as well as explaining the importance of it. So in that sense, I like to use the fire extinguisher analogy. So <laughs> I'm sure we've probably all heard this one, but if somebody has a fire extinguisher in their house, it's there in case of emergency, although you never know when you may need it. So just trying to really relate to our patients and use analogies is also a really helpful tool there. But yes, to answer your original question, um, there's many different therapies. Um, it's really patient specific and based on kind of um, their needs at that time, if their um, like uh, cost is also a huge thing too. So we'll be talking a little bit about barriers, I believe in the next question too. So we'll kind of go from there. Excellent. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna get to that. Our final question, and as it relates to opioid use disorder, we've we've described what it is, how pharmacists can be playing an active role in the management, but we want to talk about what are pharmacists actively doing in this conversation and how they're engaging with the patient. So, when it comes to this, what do pharmacists specifically need to be educated and trained on? Are pharmacists really comfortable? with treating patients with opioid use disorder. I know this is where some of your research and some of your studies have taken you into understanding how pharmacists, how they feel getting into those conversations, because we've certainly learned about the pharmacotherapy and we've learned about the pathophysiology in mm -hmm. pharmacy school, but it is different when you have to talk with and engage with that person. And, and again, we've talked about opioid use here. It's an area where there is still stigma and pharmacists, we're trying to do great things, but we may not be perfect. And there are still some barriers that we have to overcome in treating that person as the individual, as the patient and identifying how we need to work with this patient, how we recommend the best treatment and how we're going to work with them. So what can you tell us, Liz? What do we as pharmacists, what do we as providers, what are the things that we need to know? Where are our gaps in education? Are there stigma? Are there other barriers that we need to remove so that we're effectively meeting the patient where they need to be met for effective treatment? 
Yeah, Nick, that was a really great question too. And I think that from the perspective of a community pharmacy resident, keeping in mind, I've only been in practice at this specific site for less than a year now. Uh, previously, I worked in another community pharmacy setting. And I think that ultimately it's so important that we learn to kind of engage our patients and we're knowledgeable on it, right? So that's the whole point of um, quality improvement is just becoming more knowledgeable on the subject, being able to share that matter with others as well. So from my perspective, I do believe that most pharmacists are taking an active role in the management of OUD. Uh, recent guidance in North Carolina um, now allows immunizing pharmacists to administer long-acting injectables as well. And this includes naltrexone or Vivitrol for opioid use disorder. So with this, um, several of my co-residents that are in community pharmacies across the state have already started participating in this, uh, which is huge. Um, so this is certainly a step in the right direction. However, there's still always room for improvement in knowledge base understanding on the subject for all healthcare providers, not only pharmacists. So as a community pharmacist, we certainly can continue to promote and offer education and training to improve the increased um, awareness and understanding to try to limit stigma as well. So recently, Nick mentioned um, my recent study at Campus Health in North Carolina, and the study conducted, um, it was pretty small, but it did do a great job of evaluating the healthcare provider education on opioid use disorder. So through analysis of a pre-survey, it was apparent that at baseline, the participants, so our healthcare providers here at Campus Health, were extremely knowledgeable about opioid use disorder, naloxone, and resources available for patients as well as how to start incorporating some non-stigmatizing language into any counseling sessions or even just everyday conversation. And of note, the healthcare providers did include some pharmacists as well. So from that, um, post-survey was completed after a one-hour pharmacist-led seminar, and it did show that participants, it really helped to just refine their understanding um, of the subject of opioid use disorder. But as Nick mentioned already, unfortunately, um, feeling stigmatized is huge for our patients and can lead to a major barrier for them in accessing appropriate health care. So feeling stigmatized, as we've seen in many studies, uh, can reduce a patient's willingness to seek treatment and is a major barrier for many patients. So adopting non-stigmatizing language or just learning to be educated yourself so that you um, kind of just all over are more accepting of our patient populations. It really doesn't take much effort, I promise you. Um, and it can make a really big impact on our patients. So we've already mentioned some words we can try exchanging and how words really do matter, especially as healthcare providers when we're speaking one-on-one -on -one with patients. But um, another thing that we could try saying is instead of like addict, as we've already mentioned, say person with a substance use disorder, instead of clean, next time you're about to say that, try saying abstinent from drugs or being in remission or recovery. So just some small things that can make a huge impact. Thank you, Liz. And actually, I, my question for you, normally we, we want to dive more into this topic, but I actually have a thought or question for you based on your research, because normally when there's research, we have key takeaways or, hey, what's the next step? So for you personally, as it goes to your research and having done some of this review and interactions with providers, what is your next step? What's the next thing you'd like to research as it relates to this overall topic? Yeah, so I think something else that we can look at is larger scale. So pretty much the similar 
similar type of study that I completed here at Campus Health, but more large scale. Um, we do have a pretty unique patient population here based on um, serving our college uh, students and postgraduates. So I really would like to look at it kind of more so across North Carolina or if possible, just in different healthcare practices and settings. So although it was shown from this study that yes, a pharmacist led educational seminar can help to refine knowledge um, of our healthcare providers. It's really just for our specific patient population here and our specific healthcare providers. So as pharmacists, I think that we really need to take the responsibility of trying to promote education on this subject, not only in your practice site, but hopefully um, someone will listen to this and be like, hey, I wanna do something similar at my practice site. So pharmacist education is huge. Excellent. Well, thank you, Liz. Really appreciate the conversation today as it relates to opioid use disorder and how we as pharmacists can address that to help treat and manage our patients. When I think about when I graduated from pharmacy school and our involvement, certainly many things have changed. What medications are available for use, how patients may be treated, but a lot of changes with just how we interact with the patients and how we're engaging that patient-based care. So really the conversation today, and as, as you've noted your research, was why you were a great guest to bring on to the show and to discuss this at length as to where people can be caught up in the basic information, where they can be caught up with current information. But we're now at the point of the show where we looked and get into a little bit of a different conversation with our guests about how they look at quality improvement and improvement for themselves. So Liz, I've got three questions or three parts to kind of one question for you. So the questions for today, one, how do you track your personal or professional goals? Two, can you share a goal you're currently working on? And three, is there a goal you haven't started yet, but that you would like to start this year? So yeah, Nick, great question. So during the residency year, um, some quarterly evaluations have kept me really on track with professional goals. Um, for personal goals, I like to keep track of them in a planner. So I'm a huge planner person. Um, sometimes I get laughed at because I have my calendars and my planner and my electronic calendars, but certainly a good way for me personally to keep track of those goals, whether it be weekly, monthly, or yearly goals. So as my residency is kind of nearing its end, I'm working towards finding employment opportunities back home in the Rhode Island area specifically focusing on hopefully being able to continue practice in the community and trying to make a, a positive impact on my patient's quality of life. In the coming year, I'm also hoping to begin the path towards becoming board certified and pharmacotherapy specialist. So that's kind of my goal for the year to come and um, we'll see where it takes me. Excellent. We're off to a good start here. And Liz, I know certainly speaking with some of your uh, colleagues and peers at Uni University of North Carolina, you've had a great career so far as you've graduated from pharmacy school at the University of Rhode Island. You and I both know that that's a great school and that as you've continued your progress here uh, down in the state of North Carolina, which again, you and I both know is also a great place for uh, for pharmacy practice. So best wishes for you in the future. I would note here, and you mentioned some of the things here that's important to talk about around opioid use disorder. You were also hammering home the importance for us as it relates to stigma and language associated with that. We're going to be having an episode in the near future that is going to be more of a deep dive on what is kind of fact versus myth, maybe old language versus what is new language around stigma and opioid use disorder and some of the associated disease states. So I'm 
um, I, I'm really ready to dive into that episode. It's something that I'm always really, really willing and able to learn about that topic. And it's something we wanted to devote an entire episode to. We've got a very special guest, uh, Liz. It's someone that you and I both know and that I'm really excited to introduce the rest, our guest to this individual. Um, so it's going to be a great topic of episodes that we have coming in the near future as it relates to the importance of opioids, opioid use, and management, how pharmacists can help treat our patients. Now, Liz, we do have a final question for you here today. If folks want to get in touch with you about your research, about what you're doing and, uh, and, and all your pharmacy operations here, how can they contact you? Where can they find you? Yeah. So first, thank you so much for having me on today. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Uh, for any questions or inquiries about um, what we've talked about today, I can be reached at my email, which is Elizabeth underscore Salisbury. So S-A-L-I-S-B-U-R-Y at unc.edu. Excellent. Well, Liz, thank you again for joining us. Thanks for bringing all your content and knowledge with today's episode. We always appreciate that. And for our audience, that means we've now wrapped up today's episode. So we thank you for joining us today, and we hope you listen to our next episode of the Quality Corner Show. Thanks for listening, and please tune in to the next episode. Until then, we have one final message from the PQS team. The Pharmacy Quality Solutions Quality Corner Show has a request for you. Our goal is to spread the word about how quality measurement can help improve health outcomes, and we need your help in sharing this podcast to friends and colleagues in the healthcare industry. We also want you to provide feedback, ask us questions, and suggest health topics you'd like to see covered. If you are a health expert and you want to contribute to the show or even talk on the show, please contact us. You can email info at pharmacyquality.com. Let us know what is on your mind, what we can address, so that you are fully informed. We want you to be able to provide the best care for your patients and members, and we wish all of you listeners out there well.